Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at Werewolf the Apocalypse dash retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter, which seems to be early 2022. The game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us, the fans, including scenarios, investigations, beautiful miniatures, and more. With that, thanks for your time. Hey folks, it's Brennan. Just a reminder that this is the second part of our three-part review of the V5 Sabat book, and we are picking up right where we left off with the first one. So, if this is your first time listening to the series of reviews, do pop up to that first one. And with that, we'll get to the cast. And thanks for the handoff, because it opens the door wide to talk about their church militant approach, right? Because Sabat heeds the beckoning 100%, and they need to, right? They plunge headlong into the conflict. Uh, from from the occult aspects of the Gehenna War, um, something was dumb enough to beckon all vampires to come home, right? Is is what it is, and it only affects the old. Well, wait a second. I want you to think about what the Camarilla is. An elder in the Camarilla is someone of privilege who is wheeled and deal long enough to where they didn't have to be strong in the first place, and most likely manipulative, cunning. They've existed through the centuries, maybe even since the Dark Ages or before that, doing just that. Getting along to get along, rinse, repeat, and then this bloated tick of power uh, behind a porcelain mask of beauty and indifference. And they hoard that power jealously, fearfully, which is the elder mindset. Now, when you look at the Sabbat, there's a holy war here. And that holy war is stated since the jump, their life was taken for them to answer a calling unto God. That they have undergone an apotheosis to become an apex predator to understand that there was a wrong that started since Cain made the dutiful sacrifice of his brother to God. And that since he did that, God awarded Cain with immortality, a power bestowed upon him that only God gave. And the mark of Cain's not a mark of shame. It is one denoting God's approval of Cain. And because of that, Cain was permitted to rule over a city. And in that city, he had children, three of them, as is his due. And only three ever, and he told them to never embrace. They were made special because of the qualities that were within them that God permitted him to preserve. And he cautioned them against betrayal or anything, but he wanted them to have their free will, as did God. Much like Cain was tested, he wanted to see if they too could pass, and they didn't. But Cain expected them uh, to learn over time. And he let them see what would happen in their folly when they made more. And the third generation rises up and they devour the second, right? That's, that's what you have there, committing this foul crime and destroy them, right? Well, in this destruction, Cain comes back and, you know, he, he demands their death. But he doesn't kill him himself because it doesn't work that way. Because as a Sabbat seed, it was a biblical thing. This is about the worthiness of the blood and the people who were given the power because it's the only way it makes sense. There's no magical who the power jumps to. Another way to look at it, or as I saw that, is that in a fanatic sense, it was Cain's gift given to the three. That's okay. That was permitted. They turned around and betrayed. And these people were not permitted, that which became the third. And because they knew they were doomed, they sought to have the power that that their progenitors uh, had so that maybe they could become immune. And these are petty 
entities, right? These antediluvians. That's just what they prove to do. So they turn around and grab and grip and cunning and whatever, tear them down because of numbers. They were able to do this. They overwhelm them and do so. But in doing that, Cain doesn't step down to destroy them. And the reason being is because they're nothing to him, right? It's not about the power to destroy them. He simply, he absolutely could. It's about the fact, the belief that he made the worthy as the Sabbat see this. That's what this is. This is a test Cain has left in the field. That from their blood, the worthy will rise up and through the ranks of Diablery, reclaiming the blood, they will continue the pursuit of this until they get all the way up to Cain to lay the ashes at their feet, those who stole it from them. Neither Cain will deem them worthy as they believe for doing this act because they will have reclaimed the blood accordingly and therefore sit as the right hand of Cain. Hence why they're the sword of Cain. That is the church militant of the Sabbat. That's their belief. So when the beckoning went off, what you had was the champions who believe in this said it's time. They didn't sit around and go, oh no, what's this? Let's send people to figure out what it is. Let's, oh, uh, I don't know, maybe we should. Do we have a Tremere Auntie somewhere still? No, no, no. What it is, they all went, did you feel that? Yes, I must go. Prepare. We have to answer this call. We have to see it through. Why? They prepared for this. Folks, forget that. They were always against the antediluvians the entire time. The sect you saw that we, we knew and loved and played in V20 was a sect that was in waiting for a call just like that. And it was at the grip of a fracturing that was coming. And we knew a fracturing was coming. They had, what is it, like three civil wars? And why? Because you have a lot of vampires who were like, oh, this sect's about freedom and do whatever you want. And the Aubrey's a maybe do or don't thing. Well, the Sabbat tonight said, nah, brother, we're going out there to the Aubrey's. Now's the time. This is what happens. Now you prove yourself worthy or be cast aside as food. That's what we're doing. That's what this is. And in a message that powerful, we understand this about our fanatics 100% now. There's no room for someone being on the fence. Now, you can certainly make an interesting chronicle where your players are that Sabbat who hear the call to step to the side because they highlight that. If you think for a second that there isn't a new group of anarchs in L.A. who used to be Sabbat... <laughs> you're out of your mind. Because when Gehenna got hit and some of them are out there going, what's going on? Well, you heard a call uh, of what? Oh, the blood gods are real? Oh, no shit. The Antediluvians are real? Like, yeah? Uh, check, please. What do you mean? Oh, guys, I totally am going to. I, You know what? I can't leave. It turns out my, uh, I got to apply for my uh, passport. You know, the, I can't leave the States to go anywhere like to Gehenna until I get, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll get the money. I do it on my own hands. It's what I, they became anarchs. They dipped and they ran. That's what they did. However, for them doing that, there were others in remote parts, remote, yeah, remote parts of the world who saw direct evidence of the antediluvians in their supposed awakening. And whether they started to wake up or what have you, they saw something of what they could do and were terrified and joined the Sabbat immediately. That's a lot to chew on, right? For for a sect. So to the Sabbat, they, they felt the beckoning. The eldest of them made a plan. The plan was always a plan. They started executing the plan. We're going over here now. And you're coming with. There's no room for not. And there's a lot of suckage to go towards that plan. You've done all these rituals. You've done all the vaniculum left and right. Octoritas rite, adiknobis rite, you're all about it. This is all to hewn us into one group to always be that arrow to go at the antediluvians. If you thought it was otherwise, you were gravely mistaken. And I want to interject there because I also want to bring some gravitas to this, especially when you're taking a look at it as a player. 
Imagine this, you're at your local LARP, you're already big time Sabat player, you've had your opportunity, you have your domains, you're sitting there with a, your glass of wine or blood and you have your schlachtas moving around, you think that you've decorated this in flesh and it all looks nice and good and you're politicking throughout the evening. And in come the doomsday preppers and doomsday came and for as much shit as everyone was talking about them before and they show up at your doorsteps and now they're like, someone was dumb enough to light up the beacon to let us know where they're at. We going there now. And you're standing there going like, I don't think this is the game I want to play. I want to stay here. That is another reason why this book also has an antagonist feel to it. Because if you even doubted for a moment that you're not going to war when you knew what the sect was about, this is the defining reason of why one of the, you know, this is a main drive for antagonists. Because if you even have doubt about playing it that way, not that of course you wouldn't be able to play it in the fashion you do, but from the perspective of canon, from the perspective of the, what they're trying to sell you, especially how the Sabbat is operating now in this day and age, this is one of the factors that's going to make you feel I'm either going to become an anarch because really that's what I am right now. And we've seen the Zemis do it, right? They just stepped out. They're like, this word isn't for me. It's no longer useful for me. And it might no longer be useful for you and your troop. The Sabbat is what they are right now. It's that war machine. Death come calling, baby. <laughs> that's what it has to be, right? And uh, that's that's kind of the point. Like, you understand, antagonist is where we're at. Um, but... Another reason uh, that I wanted to uh, tap into is the Shattered Domain aspect of the Sabbat as well, right? This is why you see that they wanted to give an effect here in V5. And that is their domains were completely emptied out of canines. Not all entirely, obviously, but emptied out. And again, this is the hot war participants up and going. We're leaving. We're gone. Goodbye. And then there were Cold War adherents who said, we got to keep the home fires burning because you're going to need more troops. You're going to need money over there. You're going to need people who know people. And I'm going to need to update you on where to go and how to go. And we're going to need an update so we know what we're preparing for before we send them over there. And it was, yep, 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 great. Now we know who we are and what we're doing and what we're relying upon. But those Cold War adherents aren't sitting back going, well, we're the cowards that didn't leave. They're the ones who realize the sect is going to need to back them up. Mm -hmm. Right? you got to know that difference there. It's one thing to say, oh, no, not me, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. The people who have any doubt of participating in what the Sabbat's doing, you leave the sect. You're not going to sit in a cult and try to say, oh, man, I'm infiltrating. Bullshit. This cult's mobilizing to kill. They're going to see you. If you can't participate 100%, your focus isn't there. They're going to smell it. And the new modus operandi of the Sabbat, you better believe me when I say when I tell you is, if you're a leader who fails, we tear you down, we diabolize you, we reclaim your blood, and a new leader rises who understands what it is at risk. Yep. That simple. Failure is not a thing they broker well. And you can't... I, I, I dread to think of players trying to portray that because that, that's a lot of bad feelings and blood that could happen from it. Certainly there's a group that would love doing that, kind of a bug hunt feel. You know, we're going to go do that and uh, be that, and that could be a lot of fun. But typically a lot of long-running chronicles is what folks go for, and that's why I say that uh, V5, it's, you know, keep that antagonism, or at the very least, figure out another way. We'll go into that right now. There are ways, but... Mm -hmm. um, another thing I want to tap into before we move on is I did take notes of this because they've made a big thing about it. It's talking about the sex indifference to clan affiliation, right? And where it comes from, right? And uh, the whole point is here is that it's uh, an elevation of Cain from semi-mythical patriarch to the status of conquering blood god. I think we all need to make sure we understand that perspective. It's a very, very, very powerful point, right? It's one thing to say... That we're kicking back and we're serving who might have existed, maybe not exist, right? Because that very statement 
says, yeah, well, maybe Cain, what is real, maybe not. It's in the Bible. Come on. Christianity is only so many centuries old. Most of us predated here. Why would we ever care? Blah, blah, blah. They don't have that thought. They are 100% all in on saying flat out, Cain is their blood god. He is the conquering blood god. He is someone they're seeking to be in the good graces of the follow and be about. And that's the difference here. And they have paths that are all lined to do just that. You know, talking about the inferiority of mortals to what the vampire is. Lock, stock. Another thing here is that they took this phrase and I felt they were just they were just screaming this at me when I saw it. Right? It's If, you, if you've ever compared the Sabbat to uh, how they look, right? The Sabbat looks at the kind as a farmer looks at his cows. Right? Mm-hmm. To me, that's always been a Camarilla elder. That's what we highlighted. A vampire in low humanity does that. The Sabbat, it's far worse, but I never knew how to put it. How they put it is that it's more accurate to say the Sabbat is a shiver of sharks making its way through the prosperous reef. If the sharks grow hungry, and sharks are always hungry, they simply choose adequate prey, devour the edible bits, and let the savage remains sink to the bottom. It's that simple. That is how it works. So therefore, the embrace is the mechanism by which prey are elevated into apex predators. Therefore, it doesn't matter what your alleged clan blood is. What matters is the perspective of the group you're now a part of. And if I can, in another way, keep the analogy. If I'm a human and I'm prey to a shark, and certainly I am if I'm swimming in the water, what if a shark could bite you and turn you into a shark? Right? Do you belong on land anymore? No. You breathe the water, got to swim around, you have to eat. You have to get along and, oh, look, there's a slew of sharks to teach you that. That you're swimming with and looks like we're attacking a whale today. All right, I guess we're taking that down. Uh, or, we're guarding, <laughs> or we're guarding our liver from a killer whale. Apparently, I'm told to watch it. I dip my liver wide open too much. You know, that's that's what you're faced with. But that should help you understand that. That that's exactly what they're coming at, uh, coming at you with. And that's what it needs to be. Now, it's a lot said. I know it. Take a breath if you guys need it. Uh, but... We're going to roll into some stuff that you're asking about most definitely in your head. And that is, now that you understand that they're in a war, hot and cold, they're going at the antediluvians, we're now a cult, and that's there. But what, what is they really doing that with, and how do they get it going? Well, one of the ways they ensure it is that they follow paths, right? DJ, how do, how do the paths change now to you, you know? And when starting with the path at Cain, but, but please take a moment to extrapolate as you need to, the, the paths are definitely different. Right. What did you think of them as a whole? And then if you could start back the game, please. Sure. Let's start with first impressions. We remember when we first read the path of Cain, the preview as it came out, we kind of like the first thing that happened was our old minds kicked in, right? They're like, this is not the path of Cain. It was a path of scholars, et cetera. Erudites. We knew what we felt about the path of Cain based on before. And when we took a look at path of Cain now, we were like, this is completely different. The problem was, once again, the preview didn't give you enough scope to define why. Imagine this, and we had this conversation, Bob, as well. When all your elders are gone, when all your ancillary are gone, because they either died in battle or they're off fighting the war, who's left to teach you anything? Right? So now you're no longer having the professor teach you a class. You have a teacher's assistant who's there to supposed to help you out. Things change. This is also where you start seeing deviancies and variances in roads. That's what variances in roads begin with. What the path of Cain is now versus what it was before is a whole different story. And what they explain here as well, and they, they kept hammering paths. And once again, we spoke about this. Paths are the way forward. 
But wait a second, why does that make any sense? How does this bring you any closer? Because when you're leading a cult, and the first thing that ends up happening is they destroy your humanity, and they have to barely bring you back from the brink of Wasail to, to, to give you a reason to live, we just gave you a reason to live. We've already seen it before. Um, in Requiem, we talk about you know having covenants because you have to have a reason to exist, and it keeps you grounded. Paths will keep you grounded. Having your pack priest will keep you grounded. These passive enlightenments are pretty much what are the nucleus of the cell. This much more than it ever was before in V20, um, as we'll see and as it's spoken, I'm just going to say it outright. You're going to see a lot more packs that are unified along one path. And there's a reason for that. Um, we'll get to that at the end of the paths because I want to bring it up and I'll just say it's easier to work with a path, uh, a pack that has one path in mind than a pack that has many paths around because the conflict is going to exist. There is no time for conflict. Now it's pretty much everyone on this bus you about this life, let's go down that route. You about this life, let's go down that route. And maybe before we dive into flat-out paths, before people can just sit back and go, I get it, I know what they are, understand you fundamentally need to update on what, how the Sabbats see a pack now. First and yes. foremost, there's no Dakdes. That's the thing that's rolled to the side. It was it, Honestly, that position was, it was something back in the day, but the spiritual aspect of the pack was always the most important. And to that end, the focus has been dropped to the priests exclusively. Exactly. That's where it is. I thought that was the greatest change. I have to admit, even seeing that, it was a logical conclusion. And it's funny because for those of you who follow us and listening to our Phoenix Crusade, we did this before the book even came out. You see where that happened, where there's a conflict between our Ductus and the, the, the Pack Priest and why the Pack Priest also has you know, certain sway in his word and why you could listen to what the ductus is saying and you might be able to agree and he might have some sway, but ultimately everyone takes a look at the spiritual center um, for, for growth and or advice. Now that's what we got to understand is that because it's about forging loyalty. Why does the priest have power? And why is the ductus not important? I think everyone needs to hear this. Your ductus is just a figurehead, right? Your ductus is the yeah. captain of the football team. No one really cares about the captain of the football team. It's great. He's there and he's going to call plays and say where we go and whatever, but ultimately we're going to come out here and fulfill our position, right? So what is he really? He's a glorified male cheerleader. He's needed, right, to be the heart and soul of the group in terms of example and always having a smile and helping out those who, who aren't there. But but also, wait a second. Doesn't the priest do the same thing? And your answer is yes. That's, that's why. That captain of the football team isn't just the pretty boy. That's the guy who goes around and he's supposed to help everybody understand what they do for the team, where they're at in the team, why they're needed, and where they fit in. And if you don't like the football analogy, let's keep it sabbat. I'm bringing you in fresh from a from an embrace where you've been knocked unconscious or brutalized already. It is necessary for us to brutalize you, to gouge your humanity out, to eat your conscience and ask for whatever's left so you have none of it. We want to make you completely vulnerable to what we now are. We want you to see yourself for the predator you've become, and there's no room for error. And to do that, we need to give you something to march to something else to gravitate towards and to that end we have priests we have priests who will be in attendance and will be witnessing how you portray yourself coming out of the ground immediately some will cry some show no indifference some are rage incarnate and not all of them are going to fit into each and every mold of whatever path happens to be allowed to be there but the point is oh and sometimes you might even have a choice uh, but the point is odds are you've been selected because you fit somewhat into the motif i.e. make something that would go along with what is happening, right? That's the goal here. And what they say is that there's a variety of rituals that ruin what an individual is. 
the very fact that we took you all and embraced you mass in mass embrace, putting you in the ground, that removes any feel that you feel you were specially chosen, right? I didn't watch you for months or years waiting till you were ripe to pluck on a special night. I didn't lay you down on a bed of roses and steal your life. I didn't ask you if, did you say your goodbyes to the light? And then embraces in an Anne Rice novel. <laughs> this is like John Carpenter's vampires. It's going to be brutal. It's near dark. We're going to ravage through a town. That's what we made you for. And when you come out, you're going to wonder what it's all about. And you don't have time to know all the answers, but you'll learn as you go. You look like a bright kid. Keep up. And in the course of doing that, they tell you, here's a couple rituals off the bat. We'll do a vaniculum. We'll drink the blood. We'll feed you. We'll get you in. And we'll show you what it's all about as you get going. But then we're going to fill your head with the dogma of what we're about. We're going to talk to you about the war, especially. We're going to tell you about those who want you to be a slave. That, you know, before you became an apex predator, you were just food. And you were food for the blood gods, not even us. But, of course, you're food to us. But there's something far worse out there that woke up. And we need you to do your part and wage that war for your freedom. This is always about freedom and always has been. And to that end, we need everybody we can. And to a pitch like that, and you were given the power of being a vampire and the immortality that comes with it to boot, that's a very heavy and enchanting prospect. One can get drunk with the power that's been laid before you, and that's what they want. But they also want a fear of that power in place to where you need to look at someone to help you make sense of it all. That is the priest who steps in, develops that relationship, shows you what it's about. You learn by the numbers enough to function in the pack, and you begin to get along to get along as you figure out your place in it. And there's no room for it. And they easily tell you, as they no doubt are rough with you, helping you break down even further, which every every cringing action, right? Um, you might have a person in pack. One of my favorite things ever was somebody who um Mass embraced a group of vampires when they came out of the ground. The guy holding a shovel uh, was eating a corpse, right? He's just eating the bones, eating the flesh, chewing on them. He's Nosferatu, already looks monstrous. He's sitting there, and he's like, okay, guys, give me a minute. I got I got to my snack late in the day, and uh, that's just how it is. And it was some guy in a McDonald's uniform, right? He did it for humor purposes, no doubt. But it was such a dark humor that many people had to go out of game to chuckle because they weren't certain how to handle it, right? This is this is back in LARP days where when you when you come into play your first methods as a Sabat character, it was always after a shovel party and you come out of the ground. Then you run that scene. And as he's chewing on the bone and, and eating and trying to figure out how people react, we could hear the popping and the snapping and uh whatnot. He the character, the player, excuse me, the player who had some rib tips, I believe, that he was actually chewing on, and you could hear this. The effect it was, though, was it added a dehumanizing effect to you're not in Kansas anymore. Like, where are you even at that you come out of the ground and this is what you're experiencing? And people were quiet. And why they were quiet is because you're not the apex predator yet. Right? You got to wait till we tell you what you are is the important part of that shovelhead process. And now that you're out, you only know to follow. Because trauma does that. And that's their point. They use trauma as a tool to suck you in. It's a psychological technique. And uh, there's a host of other things they're going to do to force you to be galvanized together as brothers and sisters, which is the point. And they don't want you to feed on each other. They don't want you to rely on each other. So they're always going to create scenarios like, here's a good scenario. Same pack comes out. This guy's eating somebody. He goes, hey, you don't have to eat a body, but uh, some of you look a little too hungry. You're probably going to have to leave a body or two. But uh, hey, don't worry about it. Look, there's a parking lot not too far from here. 
Play a little ding dong ditch. Whoever stops the light for a little bit, eat that guy. See how it works. Eat a couple. It's on us. We'll take. We'll handle cleanup tonight. But figure it out. You have an hour. If you haven't fed in an hour, well, some of you aren't going to make it tonight. You know, <laughs> it's that simple. And cruelly, they look at you, and you got to follow through on it. And now you got a new thing to do. But that's something they do where you're forced to rely on one another to learn your shortcomings and where you're at. Always, you're going to have a preseason to oversee some of that. Maybe not visibly, watching from afar, learning how you are, and learning who each individual personality in the group is because personal relationships and knowing how people are going to react and who you're going to be attracted to and really what path you're going to fall in line with is everything to what a priest does. So that is why they were like, well, what's the point of a duck this night? If a priest already does all that and has an authority and basically the sabbats of the ecclesiarchy practically anyway, well, why, why have that? And so it's gone. And it makes perfect sense, like DJ said. But to that end, we did a lot of talk about it, DJ. What are some of the... Uh, let's talk about the path of Cain and, and how that's changed. We talked about it before when we previewed it. Seeing it in its totality and how they place it in here, what, what do you think about it? I think it's a... Uh, I think it's a stripped... I wouldn't say stripped down, but I feel like it's a, a very distilled and pure version, I think, of what the the sabbat is currently right because before where you're trying to get knowledge and understand that you're trying to become closer to cain it's nice when you just hear the words flow out of your mouth but pause and think about what that really means you want to emulate cain cain the blood conqueror right cain that blood god and there's no stopping him right there are things that cain had to do to get to where he was anywhere from his encounter with lilith and zilla and etc to become the apex predator he was and in this I feel that there's that much more emphasis on becoming that apex predator, which means knowledge is power. Your body, what comes from it, the gifts that you were given is power. The blood is power because the closer you get to Cain, you get to emulate your hero. You get to meet your hero in hopes of it. And I think that's what they tried to drill down this time around. I think the other thing is, is that there's something they slap right in the middle of this quote. Uh, what it comes to is that if you're, if you're not part of the solution, you're dinner. And adding that to it is like, hmm, that's pretty wild. Um, folks, i got to let you know that the whole of the Sabbat believe in Diabri, everybody. It's no longer a niche group of people will do it, and, and another group of people don't. And maybe it's frowned upon, maybe you'll take a path hit, maybe you won't. No, everybody's down with it. Down with the clown, as they say. We're going we're gonna to eat, we're going to love it, we're going to enjoy it. And uh, you will too. Don't even worry about it. And that's first and foremost. So then what are the changes here? But let's let's just make it simple. The ethics speak really everything, right, about the path of Cain in here. It says, flat out, lower one's generation and concentrate the power of one's blood to become closer to Cain, right? And exult in the in a potency it yields. In other words, revel in your vampiric power as apex predator. Check. Partake of all blood. The better to understand the power contained in it and to build wisdom from its nuances. We got it. Brook no failure from one's leaders. Be prepared to commit diabre upon them if their shortcomings hold the pack back. I want to pause there. We've said till we're blue in the face that there are laws in the Sabbath. There are laws. You can't just do that. You can't just decide that leader failed and eat him and, and move on. And what they're saying now in the V5 for Sabbath is why not? We have to fight a war now. And if we have some guy screwing us up right now who said he was our leader, we got some priest that's not guiding us or someone who's doing half-ass work or someone who said he could do something and can't and isn't relying on the pack and is screwing our night up. Well, seems to me it's not a very good leader. Right. And I, the crazy part about that, too, is like when we first read that one line, we we're like, wait a second, isn't that power of like path of power in your voice? 
Whereas, yes, in the previous version, that was a thing, right? But consider what Bob just mentioned to you right now. Everything you thought about the Sabbat is out the window. That quote of Milan does not exist. If, if we already knew we were fanatics to begin with, why did we even put a code in place when we knew what the enemy was? And the only reason we started infighting was because we had a difference of ideologies, which already messed us up to begin with. So at that point, you were on this side, I was on that side. I'm, I'm still on this side. I'm still on that fanatic side. I knew what war I was going to fight. And if, once again, you're not part of it, you got to go. And that was just a natural conclusion. Since before the Convention of Thorns, right, we're talking back at the burning times, the Sabbat yeah. were at war. Before the Sabbat did that anarch revolt, they were at war. They've always been at war. Well, when you're at war, everything's gravy. We're getting along. There's a solid enemy. We're all going at it. No one's worried about it. We're good to go. Yep. We're on the same side. After the Convention of Thorns, we saw some anarchs return to the fold, left us the minority, and we weren't willing to bend a knee. We came to negotiate not to bend a knee is how it went down. And they were like, well, we'll see you on the battlefield. They said, so you will. And then you had more fighting. Well, the problem is, is that the Camarilla wasn't going to wage war by charging them on the front battlefield like these guys were looking for. You know, they did what they always did. Why? Because they're the elders and they win. And that's how they win. They use forever to do just that. Mm -hmm. They knew if they outlasted the Sabbat, that sect couldn't last as it was. And indeed, the opening introduction from the Martyr of Cain itself states how the Sabbat needed to update how it saw the world. And it did not. The Sabbat still sees it from a Dark Ages mentality. That they could do whatever they like, break the masquerade, the consequences be damned. They can go out their opponent and kill them with the physical might as apex predators. And the, and the mortals will get out of the way or there'll be food. They're food either way, but they could die a lot sooner. Choice is theirs. However, how misguided. Right? That's the point of this. When you get a sect like that, exactly what you said, DJ. Code of what? We don't need that. What, what's a path if that's not a way to be? Why have a priest if we didn't know what we were supposed to do? And why is everybody being mass embraced and put in a certain way if it's not working? If the mental holds that we're putting in place to build a cult aren't in effect, what are we doing? And where are we? And that is idle hands, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it's hammering home. When you look at the 90s Sabbat and the way it was and the cool, fun things to do and body horror and all that stuff, still fun, slow to play, shadow play, all that. Cool stuff, cool and cool. But the problem is, is that they had nothing to do. As a sect, of course, they're having pocket wars here and there and a crusade's coming and not coming, but you're basically playing tag. You're playing like a weird cold war with an enemy that ultimately is winning because you're still keeping a masquerade. You're not fully going at it. Right. I was about to say, because like, you know, we this we let's be honest, even Sabat elders will have clandestine meetings with Camarilla elders and be like, so... Did you see what I did yesterday? Yes, you dastardly bastard. I thought it was kind of cute. All right, meet up next week. They have a Magneto and Professor X moment. Think about that. Pause. If your elders from both sects are doing this and all they're doing is playing tag, they've just changed the aspect of what you stood for and made it a vehicle on its own right and just ignored it. These guys are not that, right? And that's what makes this that much more impactful. I can't help but think of how I get more excited in this version of it because there isn't that... We aren't like slapping each other or playing tag or being like, do we have terms? We have terms. All right, back to your corners. That's not the war. That was never the war. Your your games, if you think about it, with all you're doing is playing against a Camarilla and trying to take them down because they're just the enemy. They're not the enemy. The Antediluvians are the enemy. Now, if you view the, the Camarilla as pawns of the Antediluvian, we're on the right track. But think about that. If the Camarilla was all you were fighting against because they're quote unquote the enemy, 
this is why there's a difference in, in thought process. That's why there, there's what we're looking at now. And I feel that what they're saying here with V5 Sabat is that, listen, it's that the material wasn't updated. It wasn't freaking right. updated. If you look at it, they put in place where people would no doubt go to war. You know, the fall of Atlanta and all that that was coming up was talking about a sect that was on the move, taking over swaths of land up to the end. And we know how it went, right? 1999, we don't ever talk about. But the point is, yeah. is that even when they did Bek Shahad and updated everything, you still saw the seeds of a sect that was on the verge of war with itself again. And why? You doth protest too much, my V20 Sabat, when you say that the Camarilla is the enemy and you aren't the Camarilla. Well, really, what's an archbishop if not a prince? What are the bishops if not primogen? What's a cardinal if not a justicar who has uh, their their own swath of responsibility? You see what I'm saying? You, you could do that interchangeably. And that obviously didn't sit right with a whole lot because you see this all come tumbling down. Why? As you said, DJ, when we're supposed to be killing the antediluvians, why are we wasting all our efforts here? Because we weren't really putting an effort in. We were saying, yeah, we made you go earn some points and kill that. You know, back in my day, we would handle this tonight. I'd go with you. We'd be outside their haven. We would have burned everything down. <laughs> we would have skinned their ghouls as a symbol to let them know we were coming. I would have penned that I was coming on the back of his wife to let him know. I would have dug her up if she was dead. And in her ground ashes of bone, I would have truly give him something beautiful to let him know that he will join her soon. How sweet is that? And I was sent that to him before I came outside of his palatial estate. To then destroy him, but you know, we're in LA. That's just not how it's done. And uh, you know, I kind of like the catwalks. Things are different, and uh, they got new garments now to play with that are like skin and better. So we'll, you know, times change the thing, and maybe I'm not so sabat anymore, right? Where'd the fanaticism go? Is my point, and that's what I was drawing at. V5 says, "Oh, it's here. It's right here." And what they did was the sabat ate those people. It ate them, or they got the f out and became anarchs. Because that forced them into hiding, hiding, right? That's what they really are. And they had to run and hide. And that's all this is. And so what the Path of Cain becomes, to get back full circle there, is the Path of Cain is the distilled moving forward motion of a misunderstanding of a path from its original roots. It really is. It's a quick, you're out the ground, here's what we're about, here's what's going on, march to the tune, and maybe you fall in line. Let's figure it out. Let's go. You can tell this because the picture they choose is some Nosferatu with an incredibly bloodied face, cult-like symbol, bandages wrapped around his head, and he has a bandolier of ears that he's keeping, you know, att- <clears throat> excuse me, attached to his waist. You know, military pants decked out, shirt with a skull on it. All this tells me, oh, and he looks ecstatic, right? Like he just tasted the most delicious thing uh, in, in, in his mouth, and he wants more of it, right? That's what it screams to me, this want of more and the violence he's looking forward to to get it. This is far different than that path of Cain that it was when you had, like, you know, the children of Hakim, you know, who were in the sect, who were the unconquered, who followed that instead of Hakim in a different way to approach and some sort of ritualistic approach and a fanaticism to nodism. And they had that. And they still have that, right? They still have that nodism want and desire, but it's more of a justification for how they think more so than a new discovery or scholarly approach is how I'm reading it. Uh, was that about the same for you, or do you feel I'm a bit off? I no, I uh, I a thousand percent agree. And that picture, you know, now in once again from what we saw in the previous to what we see now, context is everything, and and seeing it, it makes so much more sense. Now the difficult one here for me was when we got to Pathic Authority. 
I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. If you thought otherwise, I'll let, I'll let it be what it is. Well, here, I'll say this much. The devils of the flesh do not starve the beast. They bathe in its excess. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I read that and I was like, wow, what is this? This feels very different, right? But, but again, it's distilled, right? It is. I, I think it's, I'll, I'll mention it here because this is the Path of Cathari. They mention at one point, as you read further down the book, that Lucida apparently is now on the Path of Night, which they believe, or the way that it's interpreted, is a variation or it's a portion of, uh, I forget, I apologize with the words, but it, it, TLDR, it seems to be that it's connected or a, a variant of the path of Cathari. I had to think about that. What I got to right. tell you, what I got to tell you is I didn't think it was possible to take an old head like me when it came to this game and this material and go, I'm fascinated in it again. Right. They captured genie in a bottle. They got me hooked again. And how they did it was because there's just enough here. There's just enough to this path to go, how do we get here? Why are we here? Why is it here to what it was? And then I thought about it. Oh, it was so boring the way it was written before. Right? Before, you were like a sedate without consequence. Right? You could just sit around and, oh, I'm into excess and drugs and sexual and everything else. And that's totally okay and whatever. And do what you do. And I like licking the ground because it tastes different. Whatever. And then, and then you might seduce some people and you might get off on beating somebody to death with your bare hands, maybe, possibly. It was so rare someone got dark like it was supposed to be uh, into that path in and of itself. And I was wondering why it wasn't more of a push. And I actually thought it was my, my lust to want that darkness to be on the, on the forefront. Right? I want my vampires to be vampires when they're, well, sabat. Now they are. And I am, uh, I am shocked and pleasantly surprised. You know what this screams out to me, though? This screams out to me, OG Road of Sin. Right? Like, not, and, and, and like, literally, you indulge and let the beast do what it's gotta do. And remember, the Sabbat is about being a vampire. First and foremost, it's about being a vampire because you eventually want to live that freedom out by removing the Antiluvians. But you don't forget that it is about being a vampire. And for those of you who are familiar with the Road of Sin, especially the, you know, Dark Ages portion of it, it's exactly that. It's, Every one of these paths is an aspect of that beast. But I got to pull your card, right? That's an out you're giving yourself when you're saying it's the road of sin because it is not. It, it isn't. I'm saying akin to it. Like, there's just flavors of it. Like I could smell something in the air. And it's just base look at it. You could say that. But they highlight in yeah. here that you can look at this as a familiar path to anybody who's seen it. You feel like you've seen it all when you see this. However, okay, okay. there are some real deific real deal Abaganesians later on and further down the path. It's just V5's focus isn't on the elders. It never has been. V5 is about the mover and shakers, right? So there might be a mentor you could create that is a real deal Abaganesian, right? That is out there showing you what this path is all about. Because remember, the training wheels is excess to pleasure and maybe even pain. Of course, pain. You experience all the senses there are. But it's also about... By you going through them, you inspire others to play in it as well. To be your pawns, to destroy them at a whim, or let them continue to infect others is your choice. And that's and it's whatever you decide. And the beast can play in its own right. But the whole point is to understand a a meta in a metaphysical way that you're evil prime as you are. Because you're meant to be right here and now. However, there should be a higher state that you get to where you no longer have to scratch that itch because you know what it's about. What are the next level steps for you? Where does it go? And what end? But this book is not about that. You're right. 
You're right. You're a thousand percent right. And folks, let that be a thing, because as I'm thinking about it, once again, that was my OG mentality trying to paint the picture upon where we forgot this is literally vampires, kindred, canines that are new. They they don't have the guidance before. And this is what they're coming into power for. And that makes much more sense in that light. I completely agree with you through that vision. It makes more sense. And it's fun uh, to do that, because I can't tell you how many times, DJ, when we talked about it and said it where I was like, ah. How are we going to see these? How's it going? <laughs> I don't know. How's this? Is this going to stack up? And I was like, give it a minute, give it a minute. Oh, they mentioned this. They mentioned this. And then, you know, we were talking back and forth. And that's, that's how it does, right? This book made it to where whether you're new getting into it is exciting. And if you're old to the material, you're in your experience with it, veteran, master, whatever you want to say, this is going to be fun as well still to read. You just got to have that open mm-hmm. mind. Now, the one of the funnest paths they have in here is the path of death and the soul. I got to tell you. I was more than excited uh, to read this because um, they're chilling. They're chilling. It used to be an easy cop-out to be the medical nerd who likes to be at the graveyard going, I wonder how long it takes for a woman to die of asphyxia. I wonder if maybe I can kill her with bronchitis from the different strain I create in my lab and drop on her house. wonder how long, you know, this is the typical that I would see that being done, which is fine because people were trying to explore that niche that made it to what it is. Mm-hmm. This pretty much goes, uh, that's kid school. Then, then, you know, sure, that person, we can talk and I'll put them on a real path. But this is quite different. Number one ethic here, I'm going to say, folks, and it puts in perspective. Leave no survivors at the conclusion of violent conflict. What? They are the carrying crows that come by to pick the bones. Nobody will be left alive when the chrominus is, is present. Know that. They're like the death knell on the field. That's just how it is. They're reapers incarnate. And why I enjoy that pers- uh, prospect so much, the perspective, is because when you think about the, uh, I'll just say, I call them harbingers still now and again, because that's exactly who I'm referring to. They, they made those guys, they were terrifying. Think about it, the skull face, the mass culture, the whole nine. And even being uh, with, the, with the group, uh, with the Giovanni, you know, rubbing elbows and doing all that, that's that's all well and good. But there's a distinctive difference even in their own hierarchy, where the Semedi are like shock troops now or can be, and the Giovanni are like the social face. That kind of cracks me up. The Giovanni have always seen now, like they've been relegated to be the guys that go forward to go, listen, we can help you, but I just, look, I just talked to the boss. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not one of us. I mean, it's one of us, but it's not one of us. And you really don't want that face-to-face meeting. But I'm here to let you know, yeah, what you wanted isn't going to happen unless this happens. And that's that. There's no deal to broker. We can get violent. I brought the cousins. I'm just saying, let's let's not be that way. Because, you know, either way, if we fight, we're only going to make the boss happy. And that should make you feel very sad. When I, when I make that statement, right? I kind of feel you could see that with an acronymist and a sabbat would make them all shut up. Do you see what I'm saying? Like like that like this seems to be to the extreme of what that tried to be. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be able to talk to the dead and do all that and whatever, but it's another thing to study death to the point to where everything ends. It's as if you're a walking immortal adherent to oblivion itself. That that's how I feel. I was about to say, one of the cool things about it that I kind of took away from it is because of the calculations that are put into play, especially that line, leave no survivors at the conclusion of a violent conflict. It literally, though, the way I pictured it was a kid playing with toys, right? It's like, I got my toys. I'm going to go play my G.I. Joes. Well, he's dead. She's dead. Well, time to go ahead and pack it up and put it all away. 
you're responsible for your actions. One way or another, you are responsible for your actions as well, up to and including your calculations, what you thought was going to happen. It even mentions to you that in terms of mass embraces, they're probably the ones not likely to be the ones to choose just a mass embrace because they too have to make the choice of what type of child they want to go ahead and, and, and grow out. But I, I kind of took it that way. I just see like a guy playing, you know, a, a child playing with toys and then going like, it's time to clean everything up and just scoop it all up and leave no trace behind that they were ever there. And that goes into the role play, which they do get into, which is what I like about this book a lot of how to portray these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said something blue in the face, DJ. You've heard me say this. The difficulty of a path is we're human. I heard you say it here, right? It's the difficulty yeah, of yeah. we're human. We don't know what it is to think on a path or how to be. And in the past, you really didn't have an example of what, of what, what to go on. It's like, here's some ethics and here's a morality chart. Have fun. This gets into various ways to play them um, as a storyteller and what it would look like because they get, it'd be really, it'd be a lot of energy and hard to do. Uh, to have this face out, but they could show you what some things you could shoot for and the usage of them they get later on in the chapter that is in this book. It's pedantic to go over because it's sort of a paint by numbers and it's it's good to have. Trust me, I enjoyed reading it and definitely shed some insight on how to use it differently. Um, and every one of the paths have that as well. But uh, the hallmark of this is the fact that it is not mindless death with path of death in the soul. It never was. The death has a purpose and it is always to study and learn from it. But you are still bringing that death. Remember that. Hasten its arrival from humblest insect to the much lamented flower of human life. Waste no opportunity to kill, um, especially if it would gain you knowledge. Is sort of that that point of it. Do we mean knowledge like experience points? Do we mean someone's knowledge of a book or whatever? Hey, do you, boo-boo. That's, that's your concept you're playing and how you see this to be done. And there is a level of cheese to avoid, right? Um, I think for a storyteller playing this character, it would be a bit redundant if some guy's going through and, well, I won't get to that. You could see it. That's it's almost a waste of words, but like, you know, be careful. You know, a little goes a long way here. And uh, that's the point. Rolling on, Path of Power and Inner Voice. I would, I would argue that this was the hardest hit path for me to read. I would say that this is one where I had the hardest time going, oh, thank God. But then again, I have a, I'm a fanboy of La Sombra. First and foremost, and I never saw the Sombra in this capacity. It was it was always different. So my pursuit of the Sombra, I'm just going to say very brief, does fit a lot of it here. You never like yourself when you see it. And I'll point that out. And this is what I kind of feel is a little personal, right? To see that, oh, shit, I do do this. <laughs> right? Oh, damn it. When I played this pet, that's exactly what I did. It says reward success and exorciate failure, including one's own. And by, by, by that, basically, it means that you would, you would verbally punish harshly when someone fails under your watch, right? Because they, they, they're not performing as you need them. And you definitely will have something else for them to do. Mark your words, right? That's how that is. And the world around the canine exists to be exploited to your own benefit. The enlightened canine bends to their will. I've done this since I started playing Vampire and the La Sombra were so easy to do that in because I could see it. Right. It was always a thing where you had pawns on the board. And then even in someone's failure was your gain because you could even use that failure. That was always the opportunity. That was always the fun part about it. Nobody ever runs perfectly. And can you take someone who seemingly is a bumble player, even to themselves, and make them feel confident and strong that in their failing, it actually serves you in some capacity and therefore makes you stronger? Can you do that? That was always fun to do. And finally, force those who... Force those who are beneath one's own position into servitude using all the means at one's command. I don't have to tell you what it's like to get somebody and bend them to your will who is an ardent opposer of who you are. 
that is there's a level of feel good in a game ever since Street Fighter the arcade game I've enjoyed decimating people with Ken always someone says Ryu is better and then I destroy them with a Shoryuken you know a little little uh, tiger uppercut that you know whatever you want to call it now I forget the name of it but I did it a lot and you want it and you did it and I enjoyed it I enjoyed the challenge of someone stepping up confidently and being able to like blacken that eye a little bit and I especially enjoyed it when I lost because I was so shocked and always wanted to know what they did to do it. It made it fun. And uh, I always saw it that way. This path brings it to a vampiric level, to a terrifying level. Because when they're talking about using people, bending them to your will, they have a picture here of, of, a, of a woman wearing a crown, um, more like a tiara, really, um, with an elegant velvet dress stepping on perfectly well-muscled, but completely enslaved and terrified servants, right? Just stepping on them like steps. And I think it's designed to give that level of power that comes from it. And immediately the rebel in me, I hate this person. I loathe this lady in her rights just because of it. Like how, who the hell are you to think that people are there for you to do that to? But the hypocrisy of it, of that feeling after hearing what I said, what I enjoy doing, it's because I'm not this tyrant who enjoys doing that to people. My nature says that's wrong to do. And that's how I know this path is very real. I also know that's how they made me fall in love with it again. I was a bit bored with power and inner voice, which seemed to be the excuse to be in charge. That's all it became. And, you know, my reasons of why I'm here is because power and inner voice. Nah. Now it's like, here's what you do on the path, but your importance is a tactician. You're someone who's going to know everybody in your pack and what they can do. You're someone who knows that your pack is to a purpose, and you can forge them and lead them to that purpose. But you also know how to trim, trim the, the wheat from the shaft, so to speak, you know how to best utilize everyone, and you know how to punish those who fail. And it's a simple thing, which makes you, each member on this path is a terrifying entity unto its own right. Because you can't fully kill them. Remember in the Sabbat when they talk pack? You, you can have a pack of 50 plus, right? One pack. That's how they see it now. Because it's one pack made towards a single purpose in a, in a domain or an activity, no matter what it is in Hot or Cold War, and that's all they do. And if that's the case, imagine if they're all power in their voice. Right. I was about to say that's exactly what makes them terrifying is, uh, once again, as we were speaking from the beginning, in previous versions, it was every, we'll grab all these characters, different paths, put them together, and we saw the chaos that could be, right? That, that was made for interesting role play. But if we're looking at it from an ideology standpoint, the Sabbat was like, this is why our machine's probably also not working. We got to, you belong in this camp, be with your like-minded people. And in this, what makes it even, if the path of Cain says that you're not fit to be a leader, we know that priest is going to go up to, including the priest is up for grabs if that priest is not leading correctly. Whereas those that are on the path and inner voice are lockstep, know exactly where they stand, who's the alpha, the beta, the omega, etc. And they'll get their way up there at one point or another. But when it happens, it's frightening because of the sheer amount of efficiency versus a pack that was created with many paths and there's a discordancy with it. And if you want fun, if you want to look up what this is, um, look up a Chronicles of Riddick and pay attention to the Necromongers. Uh, yeah, I've yeah, always yeah, seen them as power in the inner voice, right? Because they pursue whatever agenda in the cosmos of that world to be absolutely yeah, the most yeah, powerful, yeah. you know? But that phrase, right? Fall now and be forgotten forever, right? An unforgivable act, right, is failure and therefore that's how they see it. And I was like, man, that does sound like somebody who would utter that. It would be a complete tyrannical dickhead uh, that said that. And I could totally see Power and Voice being the one there. But I want to point out the important thing here that I read because this speaks to everything. I stand for it. I place the bot. 
And it says on here, a well-disciplined pack is a single-minded entity with each member anticipating the needs of their vicious fellows. Absolutely. That is the Sabbat pack we all dream of and want to be a part of, and I've had the privilege to be a part of a few. However, a dysfunctional pack is a bunch of me-first opportunists looking to fuck over everyone else in the pursuit of their own game, heedless of the cost and blood or strategic advantage, i.e. packs like these need new priests because they've probably murdered and committed the aubrey upon the previous one. Perfect king. Right? That's exactly what you're talking about, DJ. I couldn't let that go. That And again, why is that? Because they fit hand in hand. We're all Sabbat. I could be a pack of, of, of one path and, and encounter another. That doesn't mean our agendas differ at all. Right? In, in task, maybe, but we're still here to kill antediluvians. But in the course of your task, if your pack is failing, um, are we not our brother's keeper? Am I not able to look over and go, so you failed because why? Oh, well, the call was made and he chose not to do it. And done, done, done it. Fine. Well enough. Well, then uh, let's just get this monomacy over. What? Yeah, I don't have time for this. Let's just let's just be done with it and move on. And then that pack goes, monomacy, nothing. It's done. And then they rise up and kill the guy and rip him apart. That happens now in your modern Sabbat. And the whole reason is failure is not an option. It's that simple. If everyone's standing around going, this guy failed, I don't care how strong that guy is physically. If he failed to do what he's here to do as a leader, as that pack priest, and everyone admits that that's what it is and he's the weak link, we don't let him kill another warrior in single combat. We completely eradicate him. We cut the limb off. And we grow a new one later on. And it's that simple. And we move on. And hopefully someone reclaims that Joker's blood. Monomacy is reserved for someone we respect. Get how that works? I will only do monomacy against you, DJ. If it's worthwhile, let's make that spectacle what it should be. But other than that, move on, right? Now, this is going to be different for everybody. I know this has gone long. We warned you it would be. It's a deep dive approach here we have, and it's an important book here. Um, the Path of the Sun. This is brand new. What is this, DJ? One thing we didn't touch upon, and perhaps one thing not to forget, is the time within blood is now. And they do exist. The Duskborn are everywhere, up to and including the Sabbat. But why would they exist within the Sabbat? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, they're the most disenfranchised. Camarilla won't take them. You're lucky if an Anarch does as well. They might find a place there. But what if they could be converted? Why? They're so far removed from the antediluvians. Are they not the perfect vessel at this point in time? Are they not brothers and sisters that could be going to war knowing that they don't have the same stain as some of our brethren do? This is an attractive thing. When you start getting thin bloods in there, those that end up do surviving, right, after the first initial brunt of the of the hot war, they came up with the path of the sun, a way to be because, once again, humanity has to get eroded. And with the path of the sun, now we're taking a look at things that kind of... It's weird. I'll just go with a couple of the ethics first and we'll talk through them because this is where it's going to get really interesting since it's completely brand new. Um, let neither one's mortal nor canine heritage limit one's potential. I thought this line was great because it speaks directly to making sure you don't feel disenfranchised. You're already bottom rung in many people's eyes, but not to anyone but yourself. So not only will you have the fact that at one point you had a life to contend to, nor the fact that you have those above you that are looking down on you, particularly the camera or elders of thicker bloodlines. Um, the second one, destroy canites, but never consume them, leaving oneself untainted. Pause. Wait a second. But in a group full of Diablerists, how does this work? 
if we know we're that far removed from the antediluvians, why would we want to get closer to them and emulate them? This is almost a contradicting, but remember, this is all brand new. These are people who are just trying to come to terms with what they are, and they're proud to be Thin Bloods. So why would they commit the Albury? And I know the cane bro in you says, I need to get closer. They're telling you the exact opposite. They're not going to sully themselves with it. Death, cool. We about that. We knew it was happening. They were going to go down one way or another. I have no problems with them. Damn them for even making them in the first place. But we're not going to commit the Albury. And then lastly, do not allow other would-be Prometheans, which are members of the Path of the Suns, to serve the polluted bloodlines of the antediluvians. That's almost like telling you, you if you already know they're shitting on us, why would you serve those above you? Like You can't be scared by their tactics. I think this directly points to those uh, trying to put them into servitude. In this case, I think, particularly the Camarilla. Now, I'm going to tell you this right here. This uh, this path is, is the shit. This is... Uh... This is awesome. This is this is what you wanted. I think this is what they wanted that uh what was that group, the Panders to become. This is this right, is what they right. had to be. What are they? They're like the children of the corn. They're fanatic supreme. They're here because they believe their diminished resilient or their resilience to the sunlight, the typical vampires of stronger blood have to fear, they're able to tolerate a bit. It can still destroy them, but nowhere near what it does to, to a full blood vampire, so to speak. And because of that, mm-hmm. they cite the Book of Nod that they're all fanatics about as being that it is a time of thin blood. It is their time. They should be here. God has deemed them to be here to march on the ashes of the enemy. I highlight ashes in a sect that calls itself the Black Hand. And their hand is the blackest for its ash itself. But it is yeah, not yeah. destroyed. And they will walk upon whomever because you're seen as lesser to them when you walk around with elder blood. They will not taint themselves because they were born to be as they are. And that's the inheritors of, of the aftermath of this war. They are walking around knowing that as the fanatics that they will be the one to inherit their remains. And because of that, they're fine in being in the war because they know what it's about. However, diluted, right? And the diluted they may be terrifying at the same time because they're willing to prove it. And that's what and that's what this is about. I mean, they have some pretty interesting powers. I'm going to ruin one right now. I read it, and initially when somebody told me about it, their pitch was all off. They didn't tell me about this path. They didn't tell me about what it is. It just sounded like a shitty ad hoc power, and that's when I knew I had to read this book <laughs> to get my own opinion because they were like, bro, I get this in the DM. It's like, bro, 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 you got to check this out. It's cool. In V5, vampires can store sunlight and then release it like a battery later kill everyone in the room. So much for me just turning things into a lawn chair, huh? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty certain that's not exactly how it goes. No, no, it's exactly how it is. Okay, but like there's a power and you read it and there's a way. No, it's what, okay, look, but like I'm going to read this, right? Let me read this and I'll I'll get back to you. Like, let me, let me do all that. I told him to send him a message, but instead I'm just going to say it right here. Um, Ignore my dork voice. I use that for everybody. When something's said in excitement and disbelief, but they leave out an entire (laughs) story, right? There's a whole story they leave on the table and you're going to piece it together and figure it out. That story's real simple. What it is is that these guys are the fanatics of that. They've somehow developed a power through thin blood alchemy that does enable them to take the damage in the sun that they would experience and store it a bit to release it later in an alchemical, magical, welcome to blood sorcery way that can do damage in a flash uh, to people in the room. But it's not like they can just do it and repeatedly do it and repeatedly do it in that in that, in that same instance. It does take a minute. It does take something they got to do. There is a purpose to it. And not, it's, it's not like every thin bloods, wa- or excuse me, every dustborn's walking around with this power innate, right? 
It's a special someone. And to me, it's a priest. It's a follower. It's an adherent of this path that learns that power. It's the one thing that makes sense to me. They don't set it up that way, but anybody reading this book is going to go, well, no shit. Who else would sit around sticking their hand in the sunlight watching their flesh erode, thinking that was a good thing or that they could adapt and learn a power that lets them absorb some of that? It doesn't make sense. However, knowing they could do that, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. This is awesome. It says, don't go to sleep on the dustborn. Right? It's, right, right? it's almost highlighting the very danger of the youth in V5 is real. In other words, I applaud the writers in pointing out the fact that in every single opportunity they've had, they've proven that the belief that elders are the only ones that could wreak terrifying power, can, can just pull out of nowhere, are dead wrong. The little imagination, little planning goes a long way. And if the Second Inquisition didn't convince you, they, this group sure will. Uh, on a level. Not saying they're the, they're the end all be all, but it's great to see refreshing writing in a new direction that still fits and can hook you in. That said, we're going to go through Forsaken Paths here, and we're just going to be real quick with it, right? Now, a Forsaken Path is a path that really the Sabbat steered away from. It's that simple. They didn't survive. I won't call it a Persian. Let's just say that people who followed, we'll get to it, Path of the Beast, right? It's a Basically, it's out of practice because what you had was Sabat who just quickly jumped to the wassail. It's inevitable. The path of the beast is about becoming one with the beast and becoming the beast itself eventually. But where's the stop when you're in the Sabat side? Or when you're too new and you don't have a tutor, right? So you got the first two steps down, but no one's teaching you what happens to the third. And uh, this vehicle has no brakes. Before you know it, you're already there. You're like, shit, I am the beast. And you know, your character is no longer playable. And it's, and it's a perfect understanding. It was always a threat with it, but it was the unspoken threat. That if I'm playing something that's going to do that, I'm perfectly capable of handling it. But there's a lot more people who don't handle it than do. Mm-hmm. That's the point. We get to honorable accord, and honestly, it's just not even a conversation other than to say, if, if humanity's thrown out the window completely and you can't be Sabat now unless you're on a path, well, that's where honorable accord went. It was far too close to humanity to ever last. Remember, the quintessential aspect is the fact that the Black Hand now unrevocably sees humans as food. It's that simple. The Sabbat always had, but now everyone will. And their brutality is who they are. Know them by the savagery that they represent and the paths that follow that support it. An honorable cord is too much neutral. right? The Paladins of Cain, they derogatorily call them. And it's, uh, it's very interesting that they have that. It's not that they weren't good, or that they didn't last, or they didn't have it. It says that if you can see them in another sect, yeah, well, if you're not Sabbat now, you never were. That's kind of the mentality that's here. Now, because they, right, right. they see moral society different, is that simple. Honorable Court does not see them as just their food. And yeah, they could kill them or not kill them, but they won't necessarily agree to ripping their heads off and playing pool uh, with it in some savage way, where that is... Uh, some ridiculous role play at the same time, it does highlight that the Sabbat do feel indifferent about that sort of display. And an honorable court adherent may not and could take issue with it and step forward. And that is in the way of the fanatic steamroller. I was about to say that's exactly it because we're on uh, honorable court is about staying your hand. There is no time to stay in hand. Every other path that we've spoken about is full speed going to that war and your honorable accord members let's be honest probably defected to the camera at this point anyway and or we're always camera members right or at least your elders and on to that end a uh, path of lilith real simple as well basically it's not gone it's there but this is where the contention develops it's still there it's still present mm-hmm. um it falls to the wayside because basically the sabbat 
And it's like that annoying sibling that doesn't shut up about the, the baseball card they got and how it's different than yours. Yeah, sure, you may have, what is it, the Topps baseball card, whatever, but uh, the card I got was signed uh, by whatever baseball player is most famous and all that stuff, and I have it, you don't. It's still valid. I still collect baseball cards, but, you know, your sibling's like 10 and you're, you're 13 and all your 13-year-old friends are around, and you guys believe that you have an awesome collection, but you know what? A couple of them point out, but you don't have that card, do you? Right? That's kind of how I see the Sabat with Path of Yeah, he's, they're there. Sure. But, like, go do your thing or, you know, I'm going to come take your card. Like, move on. That's how I see Path of It doesn't make them any less deadly. They have to watch where they step and when they choose to beat that drum. Because the people on Path of Lilith, they believe that the, uh, the Dark Mother gave Cain his power. Like, Cain was cursed, according to the Path of Lilith. And Cain was wandering the land of Nod. And needed Lilith's warmth and her assistance and her wisdom to learn the powers he did to survive. Or it was going to be a very painful existence for him. And she helped him in his time of need. That's their belief. Because the Dark Mother is sort of a, well, it's a mother figure for everyone. She's a mother of monsters. And King is a monster, first and foremost. And so that's, that's sort of how it is. And uh, the Sabata are like, yeah, well, you know, just keep that on the down low. We can't tell you no until we talk to Kane. But, you know, what? we're going to leave it be where it is. You know, just do your killing, get in line, shut up. We're all right. <laughs> so, so for them, it works. And that's, and that's, go ahead, DJ. I was about to say, not only that, but like, there was a house for it in the Sabbat at one point, up until the resurgence of Methuselah worship had started to occur back in the Camarilla, right? This is where Cult of Blood God starts coming in and the Baharis start becoming like, now you don't need to be in the Sabbat to be able to worship. And I think that's one of the things that we have to speak about. Definitely is people are like, I joined the Sabbat or I wanted to play the Sabbat for spirituality because these paths existed because there's a pack priest, etc. V V5 has shifted from that. It's given you the opportunity. It also tells you it's not just limited to the Sabbat. It's always been there, but we just never saw it. Mithraics, etc. You were always worshiping a blood cult God. You were always worshiping that God in the background. You just don't label it a path. Even for members who were, you know, part of what is now known as the cult of Set or Setites, etc. Or even those who, you know, if for whatever reason, and I'm sure at one point in the future, we'll probably get something written about it. But even those that were on the path of blood are also worshiping their own blood god. This is different. Whereas now spirituality to that end is found in the Anarch and Camarilla play and up to and including depending how you run your game here. And that's a veneration of a god and how they follow it. Once again, Path of Lilith, Bahari. Why these Forsaken Paths are kind of also on the side is because, once again, this is all about you. This is all about that one monster growing with the... This is a path. A path is different than the veneration and the ethos and the ethics that were described in Cult of Blood Gods. So, if you wanted spirituality, it exists. We have books for that as well in V5. But this is where we draw the hard line of what spirituality within the Sabbat versus spirituality outside of Sabbat looks like. And now, uh, the bottom line is that we get to the, the real chunky part of this book. Um, where it starts getting into what an antagonist is and uh, how you're going to use it, right? And then what they're trying to highlight here is that this book was about antagonists and had some pretty interesting ones uh, to go into. Uh, but I wanted to highlight only a few and kind of leave some to the imagination, right? Um, there's this cool ones mentioned like the unbirthed. And we'll leave that there. Um, but basically a lot of the, what I will get at, is that a lot of them have paths they come from, Right. That's what they're about. They're found in those paths and used there, and they kind of roll through. And they give you great ideas of how to portray them and the stats for them and uh, and the usages that players will come across them in. Or if you're going to go so far as to be bold and try to make your own sabbat, well, at least how they see these sabbat, and good luck. I'm bold as right, it gets. Right. Not even I see a game 
of player worth coming through this because they're so antagonistic, right? Um, however, one in particular stands out to me as uh, just what the hell, and that's the shackled. Now, I don't know who thought of this, but it's it's so cool to me. It's uh, the shackled are walking vortices of spiritual ruin. This is to say that the shackled are ghouls subjected to horrifying rituals that make them into walking spectral anchors. What yes, this yes. means is that if you've seen any type of horror film where you can imagine, um, actually Clive Barker's The Book of Blood is a good one to check out to see exactly what this is talking about. And what that is, that there's a man who's a charlatan, long story short, says he gets talk to the spirits and, and goes through a lot of effort to fake it to people who pay him a lot of money to, to see him do it. And what happens is the spirits make an honest man out of him. And I'll leave it at that, not to ruin it. But their form of communication, oh, it's bad. They tell their stories through carving into his flesh from beyond. Nobody can see it, but it's obvious it's being done. And it's a very terrifying process. And that's a mild example of what these shackled guys are supposed to be able to do. In fact, once they turn on, it's pandemonium. As this haunted entity walks down wreaking havoc wherever they go. As sort of like a ghoul bomb from beyond. And no one really knows how to stop them. They have interesting stats and a unique purpose. And that's the thing. And almost inevitably, they burn themselves out. But this is a testament to what the Sabbat's doing. They're using expendables now. They're doing tactics of a suicide nature if need be. But who cares? It's a ghoul. It's a human. It's not even really a Sabbat member. And so that's okay to do it. That's just one of the new tools they got going on. Before you even say it, DJ, did you spot where they they cheekily buried a beloved clan for some people, a bloodline? Uh, yes, I, I did spot it. Even the image itself. <laughs> There's an image in the book that kind of gives you an idea. You're like, wait a second. Is this like a gestalt of sorts? Yes. Up to and including your blood brothers are, are cheekily placed in there. Why? Because... and. You know, one of the things to, to consider is, like, you're taking a look at this and you're like, but why? Why wouldn't you include them? It's because there wasn't, like, they even told you, much like gargoyles, right? These are, al- like, they're, they're how do I put it? Alchemical creations. This bloodline was created for a single purpose. That bloodline is no longer needed in the purpose that it is. And especially considering that you don't have time to spend that much to create that type of creature. So it, it got downplayed um, into what it currently is. What I wanted to tell you about this and why it stuck out to me was because when I talk about that they were amalgamation, right, of, I believe, necromancy is where this came from. And and they thought of it. And and the way they wrote it, it was subtle. It was like they gave all due homage to the origins of them and that gestalts there, right, that blood brother influence. But they also highlight the fact that how you can adjust what they think they know. And the the advent of Zemisi usage of ghouls or Vaz in this regard to just stop around and do whatever – um, the Zemis never heard of a drone strike and what that looks like, or the fact that you can have something like that. And if there are simple <laughs> automatons that from range can blow apart your Vaz, well, what effort worth do you really have? And at that point, the troops are coming. You got something else that's a little more subtle. What this is, imagine a flash mob of mimes, because this is what I thought of, right? You have a, let's say there's a there's a circus in town, whatever, and they, they timed it, right? And uh, this 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 group... That's been this been surged and, and geared up for it. They get released and they have a picture of someone that they're supposed to do the gestalt and go after. And it's the mayor of the town. And the mayor has a float 
and it's going to come through as the circus is at one end, and everyone's used to seeing a clown run around. And this crew has been doing all day these expertly choreographed dance moves and scenes, and people were just off and thrilled about it, calling them every sort of Vegas act they think they are, until they see the mayor. Now, what you got to know is that a member of this group, they feel an urge to give in to their power, to become one, to get stalled and flesh up. And everyone in the group has a purpose, and they act accordingly. And that's sort of the scary part of it. And once they do it, they can't undo it. And when they do it, they have an unending urge for flesh and blood, right? They constantly grab and add to themselves and devour victim after victim after victim, but they first feel that urge to become as that is. And that was so um, vividly horrific to me that it let me know that we're not playing. Um, We're not playing around in these descriptions. Like I could say, I'm a horror fan, big as they come. And the fact is, is that when I, when I read that and I thought about it and I saw the art and the way it was, I don't care how much of a badass you are. If you were standing around and it just looked like some people who were similarly dressed and looked alike, I were chilling. I don't mean exactly alike, but like, you know, friend groups tend to do this. You know, you, you guys all wear a certain style of clothing and basically it becomes the thing. No big deal. You almost don't pay attention to the fact they've been around in the same spot. But what happens when that group all turn to face you at once? Well, you'll notice that and suddenly it becomes a problem. And if they get stalled together, whatever that flesh orgy of horrid what the hell happens, and then they come after you, ripping apart people to get to you, I think my heart would stop long before I even had to worry about that. That reminds me of, uh, Bob, you might know this movie. Brennan, Brennan is not here in this, uh, in this cast, but when he listens to it, he'll feel young. Dean Kuntz's Phantoms. At the end, when all the townspeople who had been like consumed start walking closer towards the center of the town and start becoming that one creature, that kind that reminds me of that scene. Another movie you should check out. It's called Society. It's an older film. It gives a whole new, like I liked Zemisi a lot more until I saw that movie Society, and then it made me think of where we they originally thought of it. Right, we used to think it was like you know the thing. They saw the thing and the things that it could do in there were, and maybe that's part of it. Geiger was an influence, sure, okay, great. But then you watch that movie Society, and you go, "Ooh, okay, all right." It's on a, it's on a, it's on a whole other level, and uh, we'll we'll just leave it at that. Um, however, um, folks, we just did a review uh, and an epic one uh, going into it for us to even talk about it that long, be consistent, and give our opinion and whatnot goes into it. I know I loved it, DJ. I loved having you here. And uh, of course, of course, we'll look forward to releasing this next week, too, for part two, where we're definitely going to get into the Gehenna War and clean up some of the stuff we missed here. And uh, we'll get to it um, where we're not doing the book in its entirety. That's on purpose. I want to outline that you're not listening to this in lieu of the book. You still need to read a book to get all the good stuff beyond what we're hopefully titillating you to go experience. And uh, that's the goal here. With that, thank you, everybody. And uh, tune in next week to get part two. Take it easy, folks. Um, we meant part three. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.